are about to hear a life-changing message preached at the Kodesh Family Church in Memphis by the Reverend Kojo Orleans Lindsay. In Psalms 23 verse 4 it reads, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In this Sunday's message, Reverend Lindsay preaches about thy rod and thy staff. He explains five ways his rod and his staff is about leadership and shows a shepherd how to take care of their sheep. God expects us to follow the leading of our pastors. Jesus Christ mandates pastors and gives them exactly what they need to take care of the sheep. So let's listen into this anointed word and be blessed. Father, in the name of Jesus, we adore you. We come before you in faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please you. And he that comes to you must believe that you are, you exist, and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Give us the heart of diligent seeking so that we can receive reward and profit from today's time and encounter with you. Holy Spirit, take over as you always done. And let the congregation of the Lord know that you have brought help. Help, great help. In Jesus Christ's mighty name. And all the saints shall say, Amen. Put your hands together for the Lord Jesus. Turn to three people and tell them, three people, I believe that you are a child of God. I believe you are a child of God. And you will be blessed. Smile to somebody. Tell somebody something nice. Tell somebody you are looking good. Tell somebody it's a blessing to sit by you. In Jesus' name. You may now be seated in the presence of the Lord. I get it. I get it. Nobody came to me, so at least you come to me and say hello. So you're blessed. <laughs> you're blessed. <laughs> you're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You too, you're blessed. Amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Shouts, hallelujah. Amen. What a church. When I say what a church, say what a family. What a church. That's right. And when I say what a family, say what a church. What a family. All right. So today, I want to share with you something that I started a couple of weeks ago, but I want to complete it. Thy rod and thy staff. Thy rod and thy staff is part of the church growth series. Church growth and the rod and staff of God. Thy rod and thy staff. Psalm 23 from verse 1 going down says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, right? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Uh-huh. Do you have the rod and the staff? He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake, right? And the next verse is verse 4. Very important. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Hallelujah. Tell somebody the rod and the staff will comfort me. Now, in the church, the Lord says, the Lord says, I am your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. 
and that's the reason why I shall not want. And all the blessings that stem from there come because you make the Lord your shepherd. This is David who was making a confession and giving a testimony. You know, the Bible says, thy testimonies are my counselors. When you see somebody giving a testimony, it should counsel you. It should advise you on how to behave. Like David says, the Lord is my shepherd and therefore I shall not want. And he goes on to say, he makes me to lie down. He leads me beside the water. He restores my all these things. And he says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You should ask yourself, why is it that goodness and mercy is not following me every day of my life? What can I get from, what, can, what counsel can I receive from David's testimony? Thy testimonies are my counselors. So the counsel we receive is that, you know, between the, all the confession, the Lord is my shepherd and telling me what he does. And then between this, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow and the rest is a blessing. You know, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy all follows from this. So ladies and gentlemen, it looks like there is something about God's rod and staff. That brings the comfort. Now, it's not surprising that the, 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 uh, the shepherd's instrument is the rod and the staff. I'm going to show you the rod and the staff in a minute. The rod and the staff symbolize the instrument that the shepherd uses. The doctor uses a stethoscope, right? The driver uses what? The steering wheel, whatever, the car. You know? The, what other people use what? The carpenters use the hammer and uh, whatever, the nail or whatever it is. Okay, so everybody has a tool. The shepherd's tool is the rod and the staff. You know, that is a symbol of leadership. The Lord says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. He leads me. He leads me. The thing that he does is he leads. Now, it's very important for you to realize that leadership is important. Leadership is very important. You see, many people don't like to be led. But the biggest thing about the shepherd is his leadership. Anytime you see sheep without a shepherd, they are at risk. They make mistakes. They are in danger. They die. They get injured. They get knocked over by cars. All kinds of things happen to them, which usually never happens when they have a good shepherd or a good leader. And today, I just want to announce to you that the Lord is your shepherd. And if you keep him around, the dangers that happen to people who call themselves believers, they are not likely to happen to you. They are not likely to happen to you. Hallelujah. And that is the reason why I brought this. No, let me just read um, about leadership to you. Luke chapter 10 from verse 30. The way I know that the Lord, when is your shepherd, how does the Lord lead us? So, so somebody may ask, how does the Lord lead us? If all these things are going to happen to us, goodness and mercy, my cup will not, will not run, my cup will run it over, surely all these things. How will he lead me? Have you seen the Lord leading you before? It's not physically you can't see. So how does the Lord lead us? Amen. Amen. How does the Lord lead us? So I'm going to tell you a story. A 
and then we're going to start from there. All right? Luke chapter 10 from verse number 30. Luke chapter 10 from verse 30. And Jesus answered, this is a story of the good Samaritan. Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, Jerusalem stands for the church. Actually, the Bible calls the church Jerusalem in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. He says, you have come to the new Jerusalem, the city of the Lord, right here on earth, okay, where there is an innumerable company of angels, where there's a spirit of just men made perfect. And the Bible says in the same verse 23, 24, that it is actually the general assembly. The church is the general assembly of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. So that's you and I. All right. Now, let me tell you, God says when you move a certain man, a church member who moved from Jerusalem to Jericho. When God created the earth, the whole world was in the garden. That's the Jerusalem. That's God's seating place. He would come day after day and then walk coolly in the garden and relate with Adam and Eve. Speak with them, guide them. They had everything. Just name the animals. Just till the garden. Just make it good for yourself. Give him a job. Give him a wife. Give him accommodation. I mean, it was a garden life. It was a honeymoon type of life. You know, when you see your seats and your bed is in a garden, usually you are talking about relaxation. But man moved. The Satan called, caused man to move. God's attempt at restoring man started immediately Satan wounded and destroyed the spirit of Adam and Eve. He's been planning that. He's used judges. He's used prophets. He's used priests. All kinds of things until he realized mankind cannot do it by himself. So he sent Jesus Christ. It's only by your blood that we can redeem. The word redemption is to buy back. Buy back. You know, one time I had some tires that somebody stole. Yeah. You know, stole. And then at a point, we didn't have money because there were new tires. And then we saw somebody selling the tires and we had marked it. And I got wind of it. That somebody was selling my tires. But I didn't have any proof. I told the person I know the mark. And the mark was there on every tire. But I didn't have the proof. So the lady gave me an advice. I said, you know what? This guy, you bought the tires. Every one of them was about almost $200. But the guy was selling each tire for $30. So we decided to buy it, buy, buy them back. I bought back my own tires. I redeemed my own tires. We all belong, mankind was created by God. But now he has to buy back. It's, that's what redemption is about. Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no redemption. It means the price of the buying back is the blood. It's always the blood. For me, it was dollars. But this is the blood. For me, it was a lower price. But for us, it's a higher price. Yeah. You see, the ultimate price. When soldiers died, they said they paid the ultimate price. The ultimate price. When soldiers die in combat, they, it's the ultimate price. Jesus paid the ultimate price for redemption. Now, watch this. So, Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. God had his people in Jerusalem and somebody was walking out of Jerusalem to Jericho. You can only go down. You went down. When you go away from God, you can only go down. You can't go up on God. He's the ultimate. 
When you go away from God, you can go only downwards. And I'm not surprised that he fell among thieves who stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Everyone who's not born again, who walks around, is not dead, but is half dead. You are a walking dead. That's why we call it separated from God. It's half dead. Now, watch what happens. How Jesus comes in. Then, let's go on the next verse, verse 31. Then, verse 31, please. Verse 31. And by chance there came a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Pastors see people who are unbelievers and they pass on the other side. God forgive me and for most pastors. And then, you know, likewise, a Levite, a shepherd, amen, a leader in the church, a church elder, a professing Christian, somebody who sits in the church and reads a Bible, writes notes, sings in the choir. A Levite means the chosen of the Lord. The people that God has accepted. You, you are in my temple. You, you are in my tabernacle. So that Christian, he also came to that place. And he came and looked on him. Ooh, somebody wounded you. Somebody stripped you. Half naked, half wounded, bleeding. Came. The priest at least walked away. But the Christian came and looked and was sure that the person was bleeding. And yet he passed by. On the other side. How wicked. How wicked. The same way that we pass by unbelievers when we are coming to church. We never invite them. The same way that we see that people are unbelievers in our workplace. We pass them by. Half dead. Then verse 33. Watch this. But a certain Samaritan. Samaritans are people who had nothing to do with the Jews. They were not called believers they had nothing to do with Jews. And this guy was a Jewish man. He rather genuine came where the wounded guy was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Keep going, please. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Watch this. Stay here. Jesus said the Samaritan. Jesus is also called the Good Samaritan. Today there are hospitals called the Good Samaritan Hospitals. Where you go there and they take care of you. And it's a Christian hospital. They pray with you before they take care of you. They use the anointing oil. They do communion in those hospitals. It's called the Good Samaritan Hospital. Jesus himself came. He said the Samaritan brought him to the inn and took care of him. Who did the taking care of? He took care of him. When Jesus brings you to the church, he is the one taking care of you. But so where is Jesus? Where is he? Now let's keep reading. Watch this. On the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence. He took out what it takes to take care of the person. He went to the inn and gave them to the host. New King James or other verses say the innkeeper gave to the innkeeper you know, gave to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And you see that, gave to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Somebody say, take care of him. Who did he tell the innkeeper? 
Today I'm telling you about the innkeeper. That's the pastor of the church. Clap for the Lord Jesus. So in case you did not know, the mandate of a pastor to take care of the sheep comes from Jesus Christ himself. Take care of him and whatever you need. You know, you must believe in Jesus that when he, the oil and the wine represent the blood and the Holy Spirit, the first aid to every Christian does not come from the pastor. It doesn't take a pastor to be born again. It takes Jesus. Yeah, it takes Jesus to be a Christian. And he's the one who takes care of you. But what does he do? That money is the Holy Spirit he gives to the pastor, to the innkeeper. When you go to every church that the pastor is taking care of the children, like the way the Holy Spirit spoke to me to lay hands on the children every month, and I will do it by the grace of God. It's what the Lord is doing, leading his shepherd to do for the sheep what he would do for them. That's what the innkeeper does. Jesus mandates pastors. You take care of him. Whatever is required has been given. Yeah. What it takes to lead you as a pastor is in the pastor. Given by Jesus. That's why the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 15, I will give you pastors after mine heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Have you heard the temptation when Jesus was in the garden, when Satan said, break this, I mean, convert the stones into bread? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Who is the Father but God? Out of the mouth of God. He was talking about believers, that if you're a believer, it's not enough to eat bread. Your father requires another type of feeding. He will feed you with knowledge and understanding. The word of God. Clap for the Lord Jesus. That's the job of the innkeeper. That's the job of the innkeeper. And that was mandated by Jesus. So when the Lord says, the Lord says, I am, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Where is the shepherd? Where is God? Where is God saying I'm the shepherd? He demonstrated it in the New Testament that when you were coming down from Jerusalem to Jericho, when you were half dead, stricken and, and smitten by thieves, I would say the devil is called a thief. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Yeah. So the Lord knows that, but he has extricated you from the thief, from the devil. And he's brought you into his, the, an inn. An inn he can trust. An inn he started by taking care of you by himself. And whatever it takes to take care of you, he gave to a shepherd to take care of you. Tell somebody, God will take care of you. Tell somebody, God will take care of you. By a shepherd. So that's what he did. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to explain to you the ways that the rod, his rod and his staff is about leadership, about Lord giving you somebody who will take care of you, living with the innkeeper. How to live with the innkeeper. How to get the best out of your pastor's ministry or role. How to get the best out of the church of God. How to get the best out of God's shepherding spirit and anointing. How to do it. Now, 
Psalm 77, verse 19 and 20, before I start this, you will see that God reassures us that in case you don't seem to see him physically, don't be confused. He's here through his shepherds. He told the Israelites, he says, your way was in the sea. If you remember, the Lord passed them through the sea. Your path in great waters. The Lord said, I will lead you by a pillar of cloud by night, by day, and pillar of fire by night. Yet we couldn't see. The Bible says, yet your footsteps were not known. Your footsteps we couldn't see. God, how? You said the Lord in my soul, where are your footsteps? Where are your, where should we follow? And yet we are going into great waters. Then he explained to them. Just like Jesus explained about the good Samaritan that I'm still the one, although I've given the charge. Verse 20 says, where? And your footsteps were not known, but verse 20, verse 20, Jesus said, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Clap for the Lord Jesus. So how does the Lord lead his people? By the hand of human, who is the founder. Moses will represent the founder, the first person like Bishop Daniel Mills, who is the founder. That's the Moses. And beyond the Moses, he gives sub-teachers like Reverend Lindsay and like your Basenta leader by the hand of Moses' and Aaron's. If you don't understand that, that's when you fight your pastor. That's when you argue with the pastor. But what does the pastor have except the word of God? Except the word of God. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but you must live by the word of God. So when the pastor is coming, what you lack, although you have money for McDonald's, the pastor is the one that provides it. Yeah, otherwise you are malnourished, you are half dead. That guy was eating solid burgers, everything, but came down half dead. Human beings that don't read the Bible, that don't read sin to pastors preaching, that won't write down notes, that don't take care of this, you walk half dead. You are wounded and bleeding and you are actually getting weaker and weaker. But you don't even know it. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 84 and verse 7 that they go from strength to strength. Everyone that makes an appearance in Zion where God is. Because it's not just bread. I know you have bread. I know some of you have eaten three times already. Because you work nights. I know you have food. And now we're going to even have more food in the church. But ladies and gentlemen, you see they are clapping. They are clapping. It's a good idea. I thought you would clap. Yeah. We've decided food shouldn't be a problem in the church. Amen. Yeah. That's one of the cheapest items in America. Why should people be hungry? Or even if they are not hungry, why can't we eat? Yeah. So Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the Lord says, I'll give you pastors after my heart who will feed you, feed you with knowledge and understanding. Ladies and gentlemen, so therefore, the rod and the staff are the equipment of the shepherd that God promised. Can you show a design of the rod and the staff? If it's possible. I've given it to you long ago. It should be ready. Yeah, look at that. 
That's the rod, relatively short, heavy, club-like device. And then the staff is longer, thinner, with a hook or crooked at one end. You see, sometimes it is made that way because, I'll show you, sometimes you just don't point it. The pointing is easy, but sometimes you have to actually roll the thing around the neck of the sheep and pull. That's why it's made that way. Yeah. That's why it usually comes combined. This side is connected. The side is there. They connect the two. So you see that it's a long thing, but it's broken into. It's actually two parts. The one at the top and the one at the bottom. Every correct, when you see any bishop holding a, a, a staff, it's not just staff. The staff is what is shown. But the rod is also under. They just break it. You decide when you need to use the staff, when you need to use the rod. I will explain to you, clap for the Lord Jesus. The first reason, the first way the Lord uses the rod and the staff, the rod and the staff is to lead and to move you with authority. To lead you, to move you with authority for ruling and for guidance. Ladies and gentlemen, this is so important. Leadership and ruling is not a bad thing. In fact, let me read something to you. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah Chapter number 30, verse 20 to 21. It says, even if the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, he will never take your teachers into a corner by themselves. But your eyes shall see your teachers, your leaders, your shepherds. Your ears will hear a word, again, the feeding Man shall not live by bread, but a word, a word, a word. That shepherd's most important currency is the word. The tool is the rod and the star, but the currency is the word. Feeding, that's the bread. You remember Jesus telling the, um, the, the Syrophoenician woman who came, oh, we want a miracle. He says, no, 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 I cannot give the bread of the children to dogs. That's what he said. I cannot give the bread of the children to the dogs. Jesus knows who are the children. And he said, the woman said, well, let me let you know also that even the uh, dogs, the bread crumbs that fall from the master's table, they can eat. And Jesus said, my goodness, I have not seen such faith. And then he started speaking the bread of the word. And that woman was miraculously healed. It takes the word for the miracles to come. It takes the word for, wi for wisdom to come. A word for counsel. A word for knowledge. The word does everything. That is why the Bible has been given. Church is the only place that both children and adults in the same class. And God in his wisdom provides one Bible, one bread. He gave the Israelites when he even manna fell from heaven. Everything was the same. No differences. But people learn how to eat as and when they grow. The thing is so dynamic. The scriptures I read as a baby and the scriptures I read as a teenager, the scriptures they read on my wedding day is a scripture that they read also at my children's baby dedication. It's the same scripture that I read in my quiet time. But they look different all the time. The same way that manna was used sometimes to make bread, sometimes to make 
kebab, sometimes to make all kinds of things. They used it, they ate for 40 years. Ladies and gentlemen, your journey through life, the word is sufficient at every point. Very dynamic. Any Christian who does not eat of the bread of the word is half dead. And only God knows whether to go this way or that way. You are still suffering. You are still bleeding. You are growing weaker and weaker. And the bread that should make you strong, you are not taking you, you are not eating it. That's why every day you miss your Bible study. You miss an opportunity to become stronger. Actually, you give yourself an opportunity to become weaker. And the devil knows the difference. Yeah, that's why the devil in twisted Jesus. Don't focus on the word. Focus on the bread. That's the easiest way the devil gets people. Forget the word and focus on the physical things. Forget the word. Forget the word. Forget what God says. Same thing he did to Adam and Eve. Forget what the Bible says. Forget what the pastor says. Believe me. Believe me. And it's for leadership. And Jesus says, even if he, you, you are given by God the bread of adversity, the water of affliction, he will never remove your teachers. But verse 21, Isaiah 30, 21. But you will hear a word from behind you saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Whether you turn to the left or you turn to the right. Caden, say amen. It's true. Every turn, God has his direction. Ladies and gentlemen, ruling or leadership is not a bad thing. Bible says Psalm 119 and verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the shepherd leads you by the word. As I am preaching, I am leading you. God is shepherding you. God is showing you what to do and is leading even your boss, it is his words that direct you. It's not his slap. Words, especially spiritual words, are very powerful. Amen. So it's a very important thing. The words have wisdom. The words have direction. The words have counsel. You can see that as you are being led, as you take on the word, people become so Wisdom comes, counsel comes. Recently, somebody called me and they asked him, what do you think I should do about this? What do you think? And then you release the word of God. That's why the word, your leadership ability, the leadership ability of the, the pastor comes from his, the scriptural basis that he has. Feed with knowledge and understanding. So when you come to me for counsel and you are expecting anything except from the Bible, you'd have understood. Now, the reality is that you know, many people, they don't have counsel. They don't have father. They don't have rulership. They don't have direction. One person, and, and that thing is a very, you see, when you think ruling is a bad thing, then you haven't understood. Bible says, strike the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. Why is it that the American president is the one that's protected the most? Air Force One, you've never been in before. Although you go first class, you've never been in Air Force One until it takes you. You get the point. It is because when you strike, the country becomes weak. 
And the devil knows that. That is why pastors are the most attacked people, even among church members. You ask anybody who leaves the church, when another church member offends them, it's not a problem. But when the pastor, they feel, one person called me and said, Pastor, when you preached, you, what you meant said meant that I'm useless. And usually it is the devil's plan to disconnect you from the shepherding influence of the devil. Tell somebody, God forbid that I should go away. So when you speak to people, you begin so much at a point, as you speak to people a lot, they even start calling you daddy. They start calling you father. That's why the Catholics call their pastors fathers. Because they begin to be a source of guidance. God gives pastors and fast fathers to guide, to rule. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourself to them. For they watch for your souls as those that should give account. That they may do so with joy and not with grief. Because it is unprofitable to you. Obey them that have the rule over you. I learned to obey my father and it went well with me. I didn't even know how foolish I was. Because at a point, I felt that I knew better than my father. You know, as people grow, initially, the father is the hero. Oh, yeah. When they go, my father will beat your father. Yeah. When they see a plane, I'll tell my father he'll buy one of these planes for me. I mean, he's totally a hero. And then they grow and they become teenagers. Then they begin to think they are the heroes. The father is the fool. It's the truth. They know everything. Teenagers know everything. Their parents know nothing to them. And they grow up. And suddenly when they grow and they finish school and they have a job, especially when they marry, suddenly, wow, my parents knew something after all. I need them. That's when they start asking you, what should I do? My husband is doing this, what should I do? My boss is doing this, what should I do? They become friends again because their minds mature. Their minds mature. And that's the reason why anybody that guides you, suddenly you start calling the person daddy. Because like, it's like, what should I do? What should I do? God is the father because of his shepherding. That's why we call him Abba Father, because he guides us. He provides for us. He leads us. He gives us what we need, wisdom and understanding. And Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10, the last part says, wisdom is profitable to direct. May the Lord lead you. May the Lord lead you. May the Lord lead you. So it leads with authority. So when, how many of you you're doing something or you're making a decision and you're not sure. And then you've heard sometimes even my voice as preaching. Uh-huh. It is God leading you by his spirit through the voice of your pastor. Hallelujah. So it's leading. Clap for the Lord Jesus. Don't become too proud. Don't become too proud to be led. Don't become too proud to be counseled. Never become too proud because that, where is God? You know, look at somebody like Esther. Esther was a young person, and his father had died. His uncle Mordecai was the one who was leading him, leading her. And then he said, oh, go for this beauty contest, because I hear the king has sacked the wife and looking for another wife. Dressed her up, taught her everything. She became a queen, Queen Esther. She didn't become too proud after that. 
when she was queen, and it was noticed that the Israelites were about to be slaughtered, then suddenly he said, you know, I want you to do something else. I want you to go to your husband, the king, and tell the husband about the secret of this Haman guy who's trying to slaughter all Israelites. And Esther said, oh, that's very difficult. I'm not even allowed to see the king for the next two months because of a certain meetings. And Mordecai said, still, I'm telling you, listen to me. Your people are at risk. If you do not go, help will arise from somewhere. And let me let you know, you may not survive it. Wow. Wow. This is coming from my uncle. Grown, he's now got status. She's a queen and the uncle is in a very small apartment. But she still listened. May you never outgrow the word of God. And she went with fasting and prayer and did as the uncle has said. And it turned out that's how Israel was saved. Sometimes the word of God is about to save you and save a whole lot of people, including your family. May you always listen to the word. Amen. Number two. Number two. So it leads you. It leads you. Number two. The rod and the staff will make a way for you. Someone say, will make a way. That means that it will bring you help. It will bring you help. The rod and the staff, it makes a way. When it's come and pass this way, the Bible says, he leads me beside still waters. You know, just um, last week, we are, even as I'm talking about the food, making a way means, you know, helping out people who are needing help. Sometimes I see some people who, they are not married. I say, have you considered this lady? He said, pastor making a way. It's called Shapadora linkages. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember Sister Devonia when she came to the church. Yeah. She was a single girl. And I had met Brother Spencer when I was going for an outreach. He was a single boy. Not knowing they had been in a relationship before. And they had broken up. And I and Reverend Nee, we started talking to Sister Devonia. Oh, so I've been in a relationship because of this, this. We started counseling with the word. Oh, are you serious? You know, it's not an easy thing to get a man to marry at your age and your educational level and your level of beauty. And he had some money and all. I mean, I was a student. And then we started telling her that, you know, what this guy did was not such a bad thing. You see that when you get married, these things happen. I think you should hook back up. We didn't know what the guy was and where he was. Not knowing my outreach or in another apartment. When I met him and witnessed to him, not knowing he was the guy that Sister Devonia, who was in my church already, was talking about. So one day I said, brother, I think you should come to church. And when he came to church, came, who do they come? Then they walked together in. And I was just wondering. But now as I found out, I realized that when we counseled her, go back to your beloved. She prayed about it. She said I was going to do it. And went and talked to him that, you know what, I want you to come to my church. And then he said, some pastor has invited me to a church, so I'll go with you. So as they were driving, they said, we will go to your church this week. Next week, we'll go to the church that the pastor. When they came to her church, who should they find but that pastor? Moi. Clap for the Lord Jesus. Two children down the line, look where they find themselves. They got married. It's called pastor making a way. Sometimes prophetically, a word is coming. It is making a way for you. You better receive it. Say, I receive it. Yeah. He, makes, he makes all things beautiful in his time. 
Yeah. Making the way. You know, sometimes you see somebody, one person says, oh, I have a car. One person called me, I have a car. You know, can you take it and give it to somebody in the church? Of course. And I look through and I see somebody who had a number of children. I said, this person will be the best person. And then you pass the car on to the person. It's called making a way. May the Lord make a way through your pastor in Jesus' name. Yeah. Sometimes the making of a way is a little counsel. A little counsel. Your situation is not that bad. Yesterday somebody came and spoke to me and told me I blocked my parents from talking to me. I blocked my parents. Because my parents are doing this. I said, really? If they had blocked you from coming out of their womb, where would you be? If they had blocked you from opening the refrigerator, where would you be? If they had blocked your way to school, where would you be? And I say, you are blocking your blessing. You better go right back and block them before I block you from coming to church. That's making a way. Making a way to your blessing. The pastor is God's shepherd to make a way for you. Yeah. Sometimes it's cool. You know, sometimes you don't understand. You call somebody. You see, the word of God is so varied. It has the wisdom for your school. It has the wisdom for your marriage. It has the wisdom for your children's upbringing. It has the wisdom for your relationship. God's word is so diverse. Speaks about everything. It has the wisdom for your job. It has the wisdom for how to operate in school. It has the wisdom for studying. Do you know there are strategies for studying in the Bible? Yeah. There are, stat- strat- there are scriptures for praying in the Bible. So the pastor makes a way because the Lord, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He leads me in the path of righteousness. What is right for his name's sake? When you hear the word, you are hearing what is right. The innkeeper was supposed to take care of you. You are supposed to get stronger because you have a pastor. You are supposed to get stronger because you have the word. You are supposed to get stronger and better because you are in an inn. And the innkeeper did not give a limit. You can't outgrow God or his word. He said, till I come, keep him here till I come. Yeah. That's what he said. He said, keep, we read it. He said, keep him and take care of him until I come. And he said, whatever you need to take care of him, I've given you already. But let him stay here until I come. All of you who do once a month type of church coming, be careful now. It's like somebody who has high blood pressure treatment and decides to take once a month instead of taking regularly and daily. Clap for the Lord Jesus. So they make a way. Make a way. For example, when the flow, when the, 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 the pandemic came and people could not, you know, go to church, our prophet said, what are we going to do? Then he started this online service. We were all, remember, we were all in one service. We used to go, what we call the flow service. The whole, we all tune in. That flow has not gone. It does, you know, although COVID is gone, it does not mean we should stop going to flow. These days, unlike those days we used to go, when the full service and prayers come, many of you don't come. It's a way-making move. Some of us can't pray. We don't know how to pray. But at 10 o'clock on Mondays and on Thursday evenings, p.m., Bishop comes again, praying with us for two hours. 
the flow. He's making a way for those who can pray so that you can pray. So they can learn how to pray. Take it and embrace it and do it. Don't fight it. And now he's also organized something called the Flow Church, which comes in at 2 a.m. our time. However, it, you know, when he realized it's 2 a.m., because it's 7 a.m. where he was, you know what he did? He said, let it keep running for 24 to 48 hours so that when you wake up, you can still enjoy the blessing. Remember, he leads us as a flock by the hand of not just Aaron, but Moses and Aaron. We have to learn from the founder and from your local pastor. That is why the flow is there to make a way. You may not be able to travel to Ghana, but through digital means, you can flow with your Moses right here as you flow with your Aaron. Say Aaron Lindsay. And say Moses Dag. Clap for the Lord Jesus. It's a way making ministry. So this time, every 7 a.m. on Sunday, before you come to church, even if you are showering, on th- we turn on the floor. I will give you the link. Turn on the floor. It prays for one hour and preaches for some few minutes. So beautiful. Someone say, I will flow. Someone say, I will flow. I'll connect with you. We will put the Zoom on and you can link up to your phone. It will be a blessing. Amen. So the first way that the shepherd does his work was through ruling and leading with authority. Right? Then the second way, by what? The rod and the staff will make a way for you. Tell somebody, he will make a way for me. You know, this morning I came and I saw some people were not in church. And I asked, what's going on? Somebody said, oh, they took my family, but they left me. I said, no problem. We have many cars here. I looked at one person, the person said, you say, oh, so this person can do it. So, very key. Went and picked the person, said, we're making things. And now we also have transportation ministry. It's only to me. It's not everybody who has a car. And sometimes you have a car, but you don't have gas. Don't worry. Just give one of your shepherds a call. We have made a way for you. There's no excuse whether you don't have gas, whether, even if you don't have food, they sometimes tell the person who picks you, buy me some bread. Clap for the Lord Jesus. And your shepherds, they are very good. They are very, one of the shepherds has bought a car. He said, Pastor, I see the efforts that you are making to bring people and to transport people. I am so touched that I feel like buying a car and then just use it as you want it. It touched my heart so much. That's the kind of love you have in the church. Put your hands together. So not only the pastor is making a way, but your shepherds are also making a way. That's why you need to belong to a bus center. Amen. Number three, the pastor's rod and staff is from God. It is used for taking new territories. Yeah. Yeah, so the rod and staff, they comfort me by taking new territories. How do they do it? Through prayer and other things. Exodus chapter 17, verse 9 to verse 11. It says, And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Wow. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek in the field. And Moses and Aaron, remember Moses and Aaron are the shepherds. And now a third shepherd was added. Hare went up to the top of the hill 
And it was so when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hands that the enemy prevailed. A pastor should never stop praying. Because it affects the sheep. A shepherd should never stop praying. And Bible says, it was so. But Moses' hands became very weak or heavy. So they, Aaron and her, now the assistant pastors and center leaders, they took a stone and put it under him. He, then Moses sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands on both sides. That is why we have center leaders who support the hand of the pastor. They do a wonderful job. Clap for your center leader. Sister Devonia, Brother Spencer, Brother William, you know them, several, Brother Kelvin. They do such wonderful work. They hold my hand. Even when I'm traveling, they are doing this, they are doing that. It's so amazing. Clap for your shepherds again. <laughs> Bible says, one on one side, one on the other side, they held his hand and steadied his hand until the going on on the sand. So Joshua defeated the Amalek. And his people with the edge of the sword. You know, the role of the pastor is prayer. It's prayer. You know, when people reject their pastor, they don't know what they're doing. Israel rejected Samuel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, they were crying, we are sorry, we are sorry. God was angry with them when they rejected their pastor. And God told them, Samuel, it's not you they've rejected. They think they've rejected it. They've rejected me. They don't know that when they don't have a pastor, they don't have their God's shepherding rod and staff. God told them, it's not you they've rejected. It's me. And then Samuel told them, moreover, as for me, although you rejected me, God forbid that I should sin against God in ceasing to pray for you. In other words, when a pastor stops praying for the sheep, he's sinning. Victoria says, sin for me not to pray for you. I prayed for you yesterday and Tuesday. Yeah, every Tuesday, every Saturday. Every Tuesday, every Saturday. By name. And the shepherds have been given a list to pray at least once a week for you. Yeah, you don't know what a blessing it is. One time, I think Brad Spencer was driving. And I called Spencer. I said, is everything okay? I don't know whether he remembers. He said, how did you know? That there was trouble. And he told me a few things. I was in prayer. And it occurred to me to pray specifically for him. And after that, I called him. He told me exactly what it was. It is God. It's so spiritual. It is so spiritual. And so he said, I will not stop praying for you. But I will teach you the good and the right way. Clap for Samuel. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. What you are dealing with is very powerful. Very, very powerful. You are in the inn with the innkeeper, and Jesus is the one who instituted that arrangement. He knew what he was doing. He knew that he was not going to come immediately, but he made provision that take care of my sheep until I come back. I know my role. Yeah. That's why the Bible says that, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Certain things I don't do because of you. Oh, yeah. If I do certain things, it will affect you. Yeah. I blow your cover. I can't afford to sin. 
I can't afford. You fornicate some of you all the time, 24-7, pornography, all kinds. I can't. I can't. If I do, anything spiritual concerning you will be blown away. I will not have the spiritual sensitivity to be effective as a covering for you. No, I won't. So the choice of a that's why you need to pray for your pastor. Takes new territories. Prays. Binds demons on your behalf. Lays hands. You would think that this was just a line of touching, but you would see the spiritual implication. Maybe somebody's death has been prevented amongst the children. Yeah. So it takes new territories through prayer. takes new territories through outreaches, evangelistic outreaches. So when it is time to go for outreaches, please join. When it is time and we say it's Friends and Family Sunday, it is God's way of making the pastor or the shepherd increase the territories. Please join. Please join. Many of you, some people invited you. We came for outreaches. Territories were expanded. You know, it could include your employer. The people who bring in could include your employee, your spouse. That maybe is a Reverend Neil was almost a savior to my household, my children. I found him with a black polythene bag walking on the streets of Bronx, New York. I was in my little car, Nissan Sentra 1991 model, who was broken, which was broken from behind. And I saw him and said, I ministered to him. Increased territories. He came into the church. But at a point, your children don't listen to you. You need somebody for them to listen to. He listened to him. That's how they became better. Yeah. Even read Pastor Richard. Sometimes the thing I'll tell my children three times, he tells them they agree. Easy. The spouses know this. Sometimes your, your spouse will say something, something. Another person comes to say it and it's Bible. Let me tell you, it takes a village to raise children. It's better to raise children in the house of the Lord. Clap for the Lord Jesus. Yeah. The Bible says in the book of Psalm 84, I believe verse 10 and 11, message Bible. He says a sparrow has even found a place in the house of God. A place to raise his children comfortably and not to be afraid. Yeah. Message Bible, please. Message Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, the church is a very spiritual place. Pastoral care is a very spiritual thing. It is very relevant to life in general and life in specifics. Very relevant. My life has been transformed since I entered church. May you find a spiritual pastor who makes the spiritual importance relevant to your life. Who makes spirituality practical to you. Number four, the pastor's rod is to comfort you. The rod and the staff to comfort you. Job 14, one says, man who is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. Sometimes you go through things. Yeah. You know, that's why I like hugging people and telling them you are blessed. Sometimes that person has never received a hug for a long time. People are pain, pain hurting inside. When you see somebody smile, don't wear your troubles on your hand. Smile. 
smile. Sometimes I send a text to you that it is well with you. The pastor's role is to comfort you. Sometimes just the eyes of concern. Is everything okay with you? Just that question will be fine. A certain woman who lost the spouse, lost the husband, never cried even one tear. But when immediately Bishop came, he, she broke down. And we asked, why? He said, that show of concern of a shepherd is what did it for her. She couldn't trust anybody and what they were thinking. But when the shepherd came, the eye of concern and told, put their arms around him, said, it is well. She broke down. Joy shared is double joy. Sorrow shared is half sorrow. And you need the concerning, comforting eyes of a shepherd to help you. Clap for the Lord Jesus. God has taught it through. Taught it through. And sometimes, the next thing is measurement and assessment ministry. The rod is for measurement. Did you know that? Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple and God and the altar and the people that worship in it. You know, a pastor is supposed to do measurements and assessment. You know, a lot of people, all they want is praise and worship. Yeah. And then the next, let me even add, correcting people. Pastor is supposed to measure and correct, assess and correct people. You know, not everybody can tell you that, stop it. As we grow, we become very wealthy, very grown, status increases, you have position, people cannot tell you. But God, in his wisdom, has maintained a certain respect for pastors. It's so amazing. What people can tell their spouses, they can't tell their pastors. People who have the worst wives, but when it comes to pastors, they are serving nicely. It is not because they are falling in love with the pastor, but there's a certain aura God gives around the pastor. It's called the anointing. It's called the anointing. It's called the presence of God. That makes people respect pastors to the point where when you see a pastor with his cassock, even on the airplane, everybody says, oh, come and pass. Come. It's a special thing God has created around them for respect. And therefore, when they say something, it carries authority. Not everybody can tell you that, you know what? The armpit of your shirt is a bit brown. Don't wear this shirt again. If you have a pastor who can say that, thank God for that pastor. Some people can come to you, immediately they hug you, they just start moving, and then by the time you realize they are saying hi when they haven't even told you why they hugged you, maybe they smell something around you. But if a pastor can tell you, you know, you need a new fragrance because, you know, the aura coming around you is not the anointing. When you lay, you touch people and they fall, it's not the power of God. But you know, that thing that's coming out of, you know, it's not anointing. Yeah. A pastor can tell you, change your toothbrush, maybe. Tend your toothpaste. A pastor can tell you, this clothes you're wearing is not good. Don't fight. Just accept it. Not many people can tell you. A pastor can tell you, the way you are speaking to your mother, you will be cursed. Like yesterday, I told a person, unblock your, your, you block your mother, how dare you? Unblock her right now. That is correction. You always want us to sing praise and worship to you. Are you God? Are you God? Why can't we correct you? Why can't we correct you? Are you God? Every time, praise and worship, your dress is nice. Even when it's torn, you want us to say, now you converted the pastors into liars. <laughs> I ain't going to join that. The Bible says, 
we tell the truth in love. I can tell you the way you are raising your children is don't be well with them. Yeah, I've said some things to people. And people who are mature, who have done it, it's made a difference. It is the doing of the Lord. How can God not tell you what to do? You know, there was a guy, King David, was forced by circumstances to be quiet. He was so quiet, now he even stopped re rebuking his own children. First Kings chapter 1, verse 5. Adonijah, one of his children, got spoiled. Message Bible. First Kings chapter 1. Verse number five. You'll be shocked. Five and six. Message Bible. Bible says there was a guy called Adonijah, his son. First Kings chapter one, verse five. Message Bible. First Kings chapter one, verse five. One, verse five. Anyway, one. <laughs> All right. This guy called Adonijah is the son of David, okay? So David never rebuked him. David was a nice king, a good Godly person, but he was very soft, very gentle. He couldn't. So at this time, Adonijah, whose mother was Hagit, puffed himself up, proud. I'm the next king. He made quite a splash with chariots, riders, and 50 men who ran ahead of him. His father had spoiled him rotten as a child, never once reprimanding him. And the Bible says, besides that, if it wasn't for that, he was such a fine, good-looking young man, would have been next in line after Absalom to be king. But just because he was not reprimanded, he never got there. Correction will, a lack of correction will deprive you of your potential position. Yeah. One day I told one young person, say, your attitude, I've seen that your attitude is to make people not rebuke you, but I'm not afraid of you. I told the person, your father can rebuke you. Your mother can rebuke you. Shepherds can rebuke you. And I've seen that it's an intentional facade. You put it there. I'm not afraid of you. And I spoke to him and spoke to him and spoke to him until he was crying. I said, stop crying. When you finish crying, I'll continue. I'm not going to give you a paper to wipe your face. I told the person, eat. He said, no, I can't eat. I've lost my appetite. I said, it's good for you. Then I told him. Tell the person, if you continue this way, you will never do well anywhere. From today, I'm expecting you to behave better. Now, eat your food and let's go. The food told me this. Then I told the person, well, because of what I've told you, I can trust you. And I told the person, I'm going to ask you to do this, do this. I said, no, you can't do this. Such a person, you're giving, trusting me with it. I said, yes. Just began to cry even more. I said, I'm going to do it. Because the prodigal son, when he came home, the father gave him a place, gave him love, and therefore I'm going to love you from today, no matter what you do. You decide what your future will be. From that day, it's been a while, the person is like day and night. We rebuke, but it's in love. When you see rebuke, the Bible says, them that the father loves, he rebukes. When a pastor rebukes you, learn to accept. When an elder rebukes you, Learn to accept. It's the correction ministry. It's the comforting ministry. It's the rod. It's not only the staff. Sometimes the staff is that twist. You have to hold and move and tell. That can be painful, but it's helpful. And it's really, was it painful? Yeah. But it helped you. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to let you know that the inn is for you, the innkeeper is for you, but God in all this 
is shepherding you and you will go in the path of righteousness. He will lead you in the path of righteousness. Goodness and mercy will follow you. Everywhere that proceeds from here is just tailored for your good, the good of your family, the good of your career, the good of even your physical health, your emotions, and God has a future for you. He said, I know the plans that I think towards you. They are plans of good, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Hey, that guy, who was in the inn, came out strong, came out better, came out protected, came out, given another chance. He was back on his way to Jerusalem. Jericho Road could not affect him again because the master had made provision. That shall be your story. Rise to your feet, put your hands together, and let's pray. Wow. How many are happy that you have a pastor? How many are happy that you have a basenta leader? How many are happy that you have a bishop? How many are happy about the flow prayer that it connects us to our Moses so that as you receive Aaron here, you can receive Moses online. It is a strategic arrangement for you to have the full complement of the inn and the innkeepers that God has given in Jesus' name. Put your hand on your heart and tell the Lord, thank you, thank you. Thank you for this arrangement. Thank you for the blessing. Thank you for the blessing. Thank you for the honor. Father, I pray for everyone here. Whatever plan that you have for everyone, let it come to pass. We cancel the plans of Satan. We cancel the plans of the evil one. We cancel the plans that lead to a curse in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, day by day, direct your people encourage your people comfort your people correct your people direct God grant wisdom to make your people better and better thank you for the ruling and leading ministry thank you for the way making ministry of the shepherd thank you for the comforting ministry thank you for the correcting ministry thank you oh God that in all this you are helping us supernaturally prophetically and you have a plan for good and not for evil in Jesus mighty name now if you're here you want to give your life to Jesus you want to come to the altar and tell the Lord I surrender I am in you want to sign up for this in and for the innkeepers shepherding that is coming directly from God if you are not signed up already, you are not a member, but you want to sign up now and tell the Lord, it's about time. This is your time. Walk up to the front. God bless you. God bless you. Come, 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 come. Clap for the Lord. Come, come. Anybody, you want to sign up to the inn now. You realize you've been loose, loosely attached, but now you are telling the Lord, I want to sign up properly in this inn for the innkeeper. Don't be afraid of anybody. Walk up like our mother has just walked up. Come, come. Something special is coming to you. Just walk up. Lift up your hand wherever you are and just walk up. Thank you, Jesus. There is somebody here. You have seen that you've been very loosely attached to the inn. But you have made a decision today that I am going to be connected strongly from today to the Lord through the innkeeper. If you are that person, walk up to the front. Walk up to the front right now. Walk up to the front. 
walk, walk, walk up to the front. Clap, clap your hands. As I know there is at least one person here. Walk up to the front. Hallelujah. Now lift up your hands wherever you are. Say this after me. Say, Father, thank you for the inn. Thank you for the Father. Thank you for Jesus Christ. And for his redemption power. That has bought me back and given me a place in his house. From today, I commit my love to him. I will not walk away again. I surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I surrender my life to the shepherding of his Moses and his Aaron. So help me God. Father, I bless your name and I thank you for his daughter of Zion and everyone here. Keep her from every evil and her whole household in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Wow, weren't you blessed by that anointed word of God? Come join our services this and every Sunday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time in person at 5796 Shelby Oaks Drive, Memphis, Tennessee. Be blessed.